Welcome to another recording of Tap Talks HR. Today I'm delighted to be speaking with Sean Harrington, co-founder and editorial director of The People Space. Hi Sean, welcome to the Tap Talks HR podcast. Thank you for inviting me. No worries at all. So today's topic is going to be around the skills of the HR leader. So Sean, do you just want to start by introducing yourself a little bit and why is this topic important to you right now? Okay, well I'm actually a journalist of 30 years now and uh, I've always written about business but about 10 years ago I joined HR magazine and that was my first foray into writing about HR and its impact in the business. Um, and then I've since then I've launched my own uh, company, The People Space, and we've continued that, that conversation. So I really enjoy the impact that people can have, um, the societal impact and the organisational impact of, of people. So I think uh, we're hearing it a lot now, but I genuinely think that HR's time is now. But I also feel that there's only a little chance to grab that opportunity and that perhaps HR is uh, not investing in its own skills the way it should. It's brilliant at investing in other people's skills within the organisation, um, but not so good at investing in its own. So couple that with the speed of change um, and the introduction of new technologies that we're seeing, the, the digital revolution, fourth industrial technologies. Um, I, I think that there's such a transformation going on at the moment. People are right at the heart of it. Um, and that it's the time that HR, as I said, can take this opportunity. But I feel that um, with my own experience of speaking to many HR leaders, that perhaps they are not quite at the forefront in the way they should be. Yeah, I think, it, especially at the moment, I think with the advent of technology, the ability to get people data kind of like mm. more accessible, I think suddenly puts the HR leader front and centre of actually those boardroom level decisions, whereas it used to be the finance director and the marketing director had all the data that they could bring with them and therefore they got the influence. I think, I think you're right. And I think if you're right, I love your comment about um, it's the now, but it's not very long for now, because actually I think unless HR steps up and owns this space, I think it can become, make itself obsolete within a decade, I would have thought. Yeah, I, I think what people are forgetting is that what we've always seen with technology is there's a lot of hype and talk at the beginning and people don't necessarily see things moving to the level of the hype but then when it does come in it comes in really quickly and if you're not ready for it then then you've got some serious troubles. I, I remember um, uh, many years ago, it's been in the 90s when um, mobile phones had begun to take off and uh, I was in a service station motorway service station and there were a couple of executives um, and they were talking about text people had just started talking about text and they said why would you want to text anybody when you can just use it and pick it up and phone someone <laughs> you know and I think that that's a really good sort of example of how it didn't make sense at the time it seemed stupid and now you know then text took off exponentially didn't it and now we've got the, the sort of messaging apps that are the big thing of today, like Facebook messaging apps and other um, sort of bot chatbots and things like that that use such technology. So it's easy to get caught up in the hype, but it's also easy to be a bit cynical and say, oh, it's not going to affect us or it's going to be much slower. And what might happen is you get to a point where suddenly your organisation has got to completely transform and you're not ready for it. 
um, mm. and and HR's role as the people person, um, they they you know being able to bring those employees along with them when that change happens, if the company survives, you know is absolutely vital. And and I know before we start we started mm. recording this, you were telling me how the the research that you did was not so much around, funny enough, we were talking about the technical stuff right at the start, but actually it's more about the impact that that has on the HR person and the more behaviours of the HR person that you found out Mm. were the more key things that you were interested in. Do you want to just give us a little bit of an idea of how that happened to get Mm. to where you are now, that piece of research? Yeah, I guess um, I've been out speaking to um, HR, uh, HR directors and, and other sort of HR leaders for, for you know, over a decade. Um, and recently, what I found was really interesting was people are acknowledging these changes. They understand their business model, that they, they are savvy enough to understand the business model um, is likely to change quite in, into something completely different, potentially. Um, they understand the bigger issues, uh, technical issues, that um, are going to be really important in light of that. So understand agile is now a big area to, to look into, so agile working. Understand the gig economy and um, that there's new um, ways of working that will have a, an impact on maybe reward and contracts and various things like that. Um, they understand a new leadership is probably needed. They understand diversity is going to become more and more important to get you know diverse thinking um, uh, as well as more compliance functions. So I think that technically those issues are are front of mind. But what we came around to having talked to them is that you know you could talk about that, but then it's actually the under thinking about what do I need to enable me to see the sort of issues these are going to bring up in a very ambiguous world. Um, and that's the key to all of this, is, is sort of the precarious nature and the change and the ambiguity. Whereas we have big systems that we have some predictability. There's always been change, but there's some predictability, I think, in the past. We know things are really unpredictable now. And in order to make be able to change and change organisation design and change that diversity and change all of that. It's now about having a slightly different mindset. You know, it's about having looking at data and thinking about the types of questions you need to ask and knowing you might not get an answer hmm. or that answer is going to change over you know n- numerous years. It's like applying that scientific mindset in a way of, of you know hypothesis and looking at different things and asking different levels and I think that's about personal development and thinking about that rather than you know I can do diversity I know a great program to put in place for that talent issue I know you know it's, it's you remember the old Donald Rumson known knowns unknown knowns it's it's that sort of thing we've moved into the unknown unknowns <laughs> so basically we're looking at, at behaviors that will help you not so much about the output and the buckets that we all love talking about and pigeonholing in the world of HR, it's the behaviours that will help you adapt where new buckets might turn up and new things that we don't even think exist yet in HR and how that works. Exactly, exactly. And I, I, that's an issue for all leaders and all businesses at the moment. Um, but I, I do feel some people within business and some departments uh, are maybe slightly ahead of, of HR in this at the moment. So. Yeah. Go on then, take us through your findings. Tell us about yeah. what you think these behaviours should be for the HR leaders of the future. Okay, well, 
We started looking quite far, far reaching in a way, because the one thing that um, comes across quite a lot when you speak to other business leaders, people outside HR, is HR's excellent in its um, functional role. Um, and I think we do teach very good skills in, in the qualifications, whatever, in the functional role. But sometimes um, can struggle a bit when it's looking at that bigger picture, that horizon scanning stuff. So we think a horizon scanner is, is the first uh, attribute you need to have. Um, and, and part of that is, is really trying to understand that, um, you know, th with this change going on, it's so difficult to get that correct answer. If you were looking at maybe a talent issue outside, um, outside your, your core area, uh, geographic um, area, uh, you're probably in HR looking at, you know, what sorts of people have we got there? Have we got enough engineers over there? Have we got whatever that is? And not potentially looking at the bigger, what's, what's, where's the education going over there? What sort of big issues are affecting that country? What's the political scene there? I mean, just think of the rise of populism. I mean, just think of Brexit, actually. Um, you know, tariffs. I try not to. <laughs> but China-America trade mm. war that's, that's going on as we speak, um, and uh, suddenly tariffs might come in. That's changing a business model, something totally outside of HR's um, expertise. But if you didn't understand the implications that has on your business, and then what that might mean for jobs, employment, ways you work or whatever, and then what that, therefore, starts you to think about. So I think we there needs to be a little bit more of the understanding the wider sort of uh, situation that's going on out there. Um, so so that's one of the things and um, it, it actually, uh, I, there's a professor Bruce Kaufman from Georgia State University and I lo loved what he said. He actually, this is going back uh, to 2012 now, but he gave HR um, a D to F grade and said it has too little attention on the um, perspectives and areas that you deal with in with external dimensions, you know, and uh, and again, you know, Dave Ulrich always talks about the outside in perspective. So I think people have talked about it, but you know, I've spoken to one or two HR directors who've said, you know, we've moved into this market, and um, our uh, my HR team was absolutely brilliant at getting all the sort of information and data we needed about the the sort of day-to-day -day people bit, but they'd completely missed a big picture thing about something that was geopolitical that was going to have an impact if that had happened along the line and would have made it harder for us to get the people we wanted, you know. So I think there's something about about that. So I'm just, top of my head is I'm thinking about a pestle analysis. It would be a great thing, so political, economic, social, technological, legal, environmental, as yes. a kind of a, a tool that someone would use if they were a horizon scanner. Absolutely, and I think, again, you know, that type of analysis is used a lot in, in project management types of roles and things like that, but um, you know, people we're bringing up through HR, do, do we give them that to, mm. to do? So I think you know, that's, a, that's a, good, uh, a good example of it. Great. Um, so, and and that, that leads quite um, well really into our, our, the, the second thing that we talk about, which is like being a critical thinker or a problem solver. Um, and, and again, this, uh, a lot of what you know, we, we're talking about, you'll see, it really comes back to that business first issue that we always talk about, because there's so many solutions out there mm -hmm. um, that uh, it sounds like it's the problem you've got, but it's not actually the problem you've got that they're trying to remedy, you know, because your problem is unique. 
um, and you need to start with that business business problem. So critically thinking, we're hearing quite a lot about um, evidence-based HR at mm -hmm. the moment, um, and I think that's a, a really core element here. It goes with that scientific mindset, but if you think of, we, we don't teach this very well, um, but if you think of what a scientific mindset is, it's about being able to constantly challenge your thinking and assumptions and actually when you come to an end point it's not really the end is it it just opens up another yeah. another thing so it's being able to see that evidence um, we, we know that there's fads out there and we need to, to move away from them so it's being able to see that evidence but also know you have to keep challenging that I think is, mm -hmm. is a really um, important uh, important thing um, and then uh, that fits well with sort of um, value creator. So our third uh, sort of attribute of the future fit HR leader is uh, is value creator. Um, again, you know, we are looking at a world now with all this disruption where um, it, it's really about the art of the possible. It's not just about the art of um, the, the, the probable, because actually the probable is changing quite quickly. So I think um, really understanding where you can bring that value to your business is, uh, is going to become more and more important. Um, you will know that old uh, marketing adage about 50% of your advertising works, but you don't know what 50%. Yeah, totally. yeah it's a famous <laughs> one in, in the marketing like advertising, <laughs> advertising world. Yeah. Um, well, I, I would apply that to HR. Mm. You know 50% of your HR investment is working. But can you really say which 50%? Because we're not very good at drilling down on that. So finding new ways to, um, to, to test and trial, it goes with the scientific mindset. You really need to do much more sort of small experimentation and really see the results, I think, um, to, to then be able to show where that, that value is. I'd, I'd kind of try to go along with that because actually we're always trying to say now that learning should come from the individual, communities of practice, things like that and these are things where HR has to totally let go and believe that actually the work that they have done in creating this culture is, is going to be sustainable but they're never going to be able to put a metric to that because mm -hmm. actually they're letting go and I think that's sometimes a problem that people think value creation means I've got to have a KPI yeah. and, it's, and it's not necessarily it's actually creating something bigger than that. Yeah and so. in fact you know KPIs that's a whole other story. Yes. <laughs> I mean there yeah. are things that might, <laughs> might change a lot. Uh, uh, an interesting um, way of looking at that was uh, recently uh, we interviewed Andy Britt from IBM and he was talking about their reward the way that they're um, changing reward. And they are now tying bonuses to people's um, upskilling, how they are sort of self-invested and upskilled. Mm. So, you know, that's a really interesting way of looking at what is value today in a person. Yes. Um, and, uh, and so I think we're going to see, see a lot more on, on that. Um, and then there's a, there's a sort of two or three attributes which are really more about, I think, the way people can communicate. So um, we have said one attribute is um, the connector. Um, and, and these all fit in very well together because connecting might mean bringing the business people and the business sort of closer, connecting them so that, they, that people really understand what the business is about and where it's going um, and, and vice versa, that they can collaborate more there. Um, but it's also about um, 
possibly running your organisation. Uh, we've talked about organisation network analysis for, for, for a while in, in this world and, and organisation design. And if you are looking at um, fluid organisations moving away from the hierarchical sort of control structure that we still have. I mean, we all think we don't, but that really does underpin, I would say, the majority of businesses still (laughs) today. Um, Then, you know, people have got to connect the dots, really. And I think HR being the people people has got a good way of connecting those those dots. Um, There's um, uh, one of our uh, sort of we have a leadership board and, and one of our HR directors, uh, Nalin Miglani, from, um, he's a CHRO at EXL, the big um, sort of quoted American company, a technology company. He talks a lot about the changing nature of, um, of uh, business and how work, business and um, jobs are being decoupled. So whereas in the past we, and politically as businesses, we always like to talk about jobs created it goes down well, jobs created. But actually, it's not necessarily about jobs. It's changed about work. Mm. You know, we, we're doing work and understanding work can be done in different ways and, as you know, can be rewarded in different ways. So there's a fluidity coming in now that I think means that a different mindset is needed on how do you connect that together. And for HR, that will be connecting, managing that type of workforce. Um, potentially managing, you know, the machine-human connection that we're we're talking about with machine learning and AI coming in equivalent. So, so there's a really interesting network of partners type of <laughs> approach there, um, and then there's making sense of it. So there's the sort of the sense maker, um, and this this goes well with what you were just saying about the learning bit. I mean, it's actually more curating and helping people to help themselves, uh, as, as you mentioned. But it's also communicating these changes. Um, and, uh, and there's been some research recently. Uh, in fact, this week, a, a couple of pieces came out and, and we also ran a, a piece um, last week about the fact that there's not much communication about changes going on. I mean, we know change is tough. We know for people, any change, you only have to put them into a different desk and it's hard, <laughs> you know, so, um, but uh, I think genuinely there's so much media out there about um, the speed of disruption, the things we're talking about, about techno- new technologies potentially uh, displacing jobs, that there's, it, it's quite precarious for people and it's not surprising people are a bit anxious and they don't really know what they need to do, and they're seeing my job's going to go, or part of my job's going to go. Um, HR can make some sense of that by just making sure that the culture is one of openness and transparency, and that they start this conversation. You know, I really don't think they're engaging employees with change. Yeah, and I think there's, a, I've seen one of those articles this week, that 50% of, of jobs will go by 2030 in manufacturing. And, mm. and, and actually, um, I think it's not, the fear has always been, if I talk about this automation, actually people think they're going to lose their jobs. But if you spin it and actually talk about, actually now's the time to invest in your development, you are the person who 
who can drive your development and actually if you upskill yourself you're it's almost you're keeping ahead of automation behind you kind of thing isn't it yes so, yeah so there is a role there i think for hr there is and i think that um you know part of a, the attribute of say a sense maker as we've called them is is storytelling mm. because you can tell this story in a positive way this story doesn't need to be a negative dystopian way mm. but the story needs to be about um you know, you've seen entire business models upended, and you use examples people know, like, you know, obviously Amazon. Um, I mean, even this week I just read that um, Amazon is now its own uh, logistics operation, which it partnered with people like FedEx to deliver goods at the beginning. And now it's, um, it's, it's become so expertise in it that now it's dropped most of the other postal services and it's doing its own stuff and you can just see that suddenly Amazon's going to be the biggest delivery carrier mm. um, in, in the world and before you know it we'll be using that rather than the post office you know so they're constantly changing learning moving and moving into new industries would FedEx have thought of Amazon as a competitor no that was one of their biggest customers yeah you know so, so I think you, they people know these changes are happening but what you know, HR needs to help its le- its CEOs, its board, and itself needs to um, sort of wind the story in the way that you know we can't give you an end to this because it's constantly changing. But what we will do is we're going to keep you informed. We're going to keep you knowledgeable about sort of skills that that we want. We're going to help you along this path. Um, you know, I just think that they can turn and that. I'd want to work for a company like that, wouldn't you? Mm, totally, and I think yeah. uh, we, I think we spoke before we started the recording mm-hmm. that actually the absence of storytelling actually is probably the worst thing because if it's silent, people start filling the gaps themselves. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah, so that's so. great. So sense making. So I'm really eager to find out what the last ones are. I yeah. know we have short podcasts. Okay. So. We have. Uh, well, we, we have. Uh, we have um, uh, a couple more. Um, I, in fact, did I mention the Ethical Guardian? I've now lost no, my own. Haven't. I have no, lost my haven't. own chart here. Yeah. Um, so, uh, talking about data, um, I think um, Ethical Guardian is a really big role for, for HR going forward. Um, and, and it's understanding um, there's two points to this there's the, un, the employee data and the issues employees have got around how their data can be used. And there's also the fact that their employees are going to be increasingly able to analyze and get insights from other data, their customer data, their supplier data. So if they're in a role that faces that. So there's two parts of understanding data, I think, for, for HR and, and employees. But taking the, the, uh, the first one, really, um, you know, being transparent. So it comes back in the way to what we were just saying. Being transparent about that data use is so important because there's some really logical ways you could think people might um, think they're helping employees through data. So let's take wearable technologies. You know, we, we, we all like the idea that we can look at our fitness a bit better through our you know, fitness devices and we can get on top of it, whatever. And for employees, um, you know, they could be given those devices to help in the sort of war on obesity and sitting down and all of this and to help. And you can do some great challenges and you can get some motivation going and there's all those sort of things. But on the other hand, what's going on with that data and would you be comfortable as an employee with that data then being used um, in some form of, you know, to inform various things that could be to your benefit. But if you don't trust or understand the use of it, 
Um, and another one is uh, office space. You know, you've, you've probably heard, but a couple of businesses have been putting sensors in around office space to see which areas are used, which aren't, how many big conversations are going on at the water cooler, are they better mm. conversations than the being had in the meeting room, um, hot desking, you know, do we need all these desks? You know, there's a really good business case for understanding that. But they've tried it in one or two places. Um, and certainly there was a big media company. Well, the journalists went completely mad about it because they thought they were being snooped on. Yeah. You know, are we at our desks? Are we, you know, keystroke technology, all of this? So I think this understanding the communication and is it a step too far? Do you really need that data? You can get it. There's plenty of tools so you get it. Do you need it for your business? I think there's a, there's a timeliness of it as well because I think you can go too fast, too fast. Yeah. And I think actually you've got to allow society to keep pace with as you bring in technology. So, yeah, I've seen a few instances where people, it's, it's a great thing, but actually if you introduced it three years down the line, it would have worked because mm. you would have been comfortable outside, for example, how much information does Facebook know on us and everything. If, but if we were asking for that as employers 10 years ago, people have gone, no, no, no. But now I think there's an acceptance that more is okay. Mm. But I, I totally agree with your ethical guardian. Yeah, I, I think you're right that the um, that people are willing to give a lot more data if they can see that real benefit to them. And, you know, there's so many benefits like convenience, ability to do your job from home, flexible working, things we know people want today. But if you don't communicate that you're doing it, why you're doing it, what the reason is, and then keep them informed doing it I think you've you've had it haven't mm-hmm. you um, and then the last couple are um, an influencer um, you, you know I'm not going to go through old ground but there's long been discussions about you know has has HR really got the influence is it still seen just as a tick box type of department and um, I also will put some blame on the, uh, the CEOs here because I think often they say they want this from HR and then when it comes down to it they want them to to do the sort of the more compliance related activity don't give them that, that chance to mm. be more influential so I'm not putting the blame here at the the HR directors uh, uh, sort of at their table but um, you know I think what I mean by influencer is actually first of all it's the challenge and it's being brave and it's being standing up to um, sometimes decisions that might not look um, might look great within the boardroom but do have these other implications. But it's also um, modeling that behavior. Um, I think that sometimes we can have things that don't really, you know, that, that you see it, it looks good in, in practicality, but then you don't see your senior teams modeling it. And if you're not gonna model it, then I think, you know, it's not gonna fly, is mm. it? So they really need to do that. Um, and the last, which probably is, in a way, the most Im- important, because it brings all these together, is, um, is uh, to be a self-investor. So they spend all their time telling everyone else, you know, we're investing in you. We know a lot of this will require investing in their people. But how much do they put into their own investment? I, really, I so often come across a, an HR director um, and I say, what do you actually spend on your own investment? You know, in your business, not outside, but in your business, how important are they putting, you know, is your board putting uh, you in terms of investment in you? And so often it's, it's, it's little or nothing, actually. And I think, you know, how can you be all these other things 
and be helping everybody else if if you're not investing in yourself and in your own constant up um, you know upskilling. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I recently read some research, some proper academic peer-reviewed research, and they did some work around selection and assessment, and they actually got uh, HRMs, uh, organizational psychologists, and um, lay people to look at the validity of the different selection processes, mm. and actually lay people and HRMs came out about the same and it was the organisational psychologists who uh, knew it a lot more. And the, the, the debate was, what, why is this? And actually, mm -hmm. I think it comes back to the fact that actually, I think a lot of HR people put themselves last on the list to develop themselves. And when yeah. they do, they might go to a conference where they hear about other companies and what they sell, rather than actually what's the most powerful psychology that you can learn in that short period of time, they'll actually really mm -hmm. help you make better people decisions. Yeah. So I think there's some great stuff around that last one. So I, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. And I, I think just touching slightly on this, the more the more technical, you know, where HR, um, why this is HR's time, is because in that sort of ambiguous, um, fast-moving world that we're talking about, really the only thing that you can hang on because people are, I was talking to somebody earlier today about you know if you say it take 90 days to bring somebody on properly into a, a job and then you know th when they resign it's four weeks to three months or whatever that they're also not doing the job you know that that time that they're going to do the job now is is uh, shorter and shorter because mm. people are moving so quickly and actually the core is that is is not just the attracting people, which we talk about all the time. It's actually that retention bit. Uh, I think a lot of the new technologies are on the attraction, mm. on the sifting through lots of data quickly, on where AI and, and machine learning can augment what the humans are doing. You know, enable them to see through millions of CVs and get to the better people's sentiment analysis, etc. But um, I think. You know, what is it in this world that's really going to hang people to a business? And it is that purpose. That's that purpose. Purpose is one thing that you can have a static in a way, you know, in, in terms of like, if you've got that deeper purpose and you, you know, people know what it is, then you can hang it on that. Whereas the technology is going to move and change, mm. you know, the other things are going to move and change. The bigger picture horizon is going to, it's all going to move and change. But having that purpose that people, um, and we know that's a core element for HR to um, to sort of lead. It's yeah. fantastic, and, and I have one eye, as you've probably noticed here, on my little mm. clock on my yes. laptop, and uh, I mean, this is a great subject, and I love the fact that you've done this work to distill mm. down these eight areas, and, and just for the, for the purposes of people listening in, to summarize what's mm. horizon scanner, critical thinker, connector, value creator, Ethical guardian, sense maker, influencer, and self investor. I'm counting on my That's fingers correct. as I'm doing that, <laughs> uh, which I think is really good stuff. So, just for the sake of a, a, a very short commercial break, if people wanted to learn more about these eight, I mean, where can they find you and, and find out more? Yeah, well, we have our um, our website, The People Space, which is a, a sort of an online magazine um, mm -hmm. where we talk about some of the thinking, I guess. But we've also launched the People Space Leaders Academy, which is a membership um, a membership offer for HR leaders and people leaders. 
And there um, we are providing sort of short resources, downloadable documents and thinking and various things around this. So um, they just need to go to the normal people space, www.thepeoplespace.com. Okay, and on. there's an academy tab on there. And when you go onto that, you can, you can learn more about it. Fantastic. Sean, I, I mean, I wish we had longer time, but as it stands, we are by far the longest podcast that we've ever done. So well done. You take that crown with you today. But I think it was great. We needed to go into a bit of depth about these different areas. And I hope that the listeners listening to this have got some real thinking going on now after they're reflecting on their own roles and where they fit on these different eight areas. So, yeah. so thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And thanks everyone for listening. Uh, I hope you're enjoying these Tap Talk HR podcasts. Uh, you can always find out more at our own website around HR topics at tapsolutions.com. But that's it for now. Uh, we'll be back soon. Thanks very much and goodbye. Thank you.